0: Welcome to Screw the Stock Market. On this show, we discuss a variety of alternative asset classes, tools to help you unleash your money, a success mindset, and inspiration to see what's possible when we do things differently.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Screw the Stock Market. This is the show where we talk about alternative investing in assets outside of the stock market, always with the aim of taking control of our finances and our futures and our lives. Today we had a really awesome guest, Omar Mohammed, and I loved it. It was really awesome. He's an immigrant. He started from nothing, and he built his way up through passion and energy and confidence and vision. What do you think, Aziz? Oh, it
2: was great. Uh, it was an amazing. It was inspirational. He hit all the points of everything that we talk about and discuss on a regular basis. He talked about mindset. He talked about entrepreneurship. He talked about real estate, even how to manage your W-2 regular 9-to-5 job while trying to build something more and gain freedom. It was really an awesome interview. And he's like a jack of all trades. This man has done everything. Starting from sleeping in the back of a restaurant to now being successful and doing well. So it's inspirational. It's definitely inspirational.
1: Yeah, yeah, and he's charismatic dude. He just he's just charming. I feel like he's just a friend I could just go hang out with Are you swooning um. Alex? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could say that. A little bit of, of an entrepreneur crush on him, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just exciting, really informative, and I think this episode is maybe a little bit less on like practical information on how you can do this. Well, I think he it's covered more that. Inspiration, he did. He got into the weeds a little bit, but it's not hey, it's not hey. This is an episode on how to do creative financing. It's more on inspiration. It's more on mindset. And it's more on vision and energy. And life. How to
2: get your life together.
1: Yeah. 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 And I love how he got into the weeds of his own personal finances. And how he like... When you make that shift to to aim for financial freedom, you start with your own personal finances. You got to get control of that first. And it's not necessarily just about saving until until a rainy day happens. It's more about reducing those fixed costs so that you can invest more aggressively into your future. And he did that and he gave us really tangible examples. Hey, I sold my car, got a cheaper car. Hey, I, it was just yeah. awesome. And, and, and so, keep in
2: mind too, when he's making all of those cuts, it's not like he just makes cuts and that's it. He leverages those savings into making more money than he was making before. So that transition point is where a lot of people get stuck on whenever they're trying to save money. They save money, but it's not generating them money. He figured out how to make it generate money. So these brief sacrifices were meaningful. But we're not going to give away too much more of it because the episode is great, and we definitely want you to listen. So give it a listen. It's great. He's a great storyteller, and he goes through his entire life in the span of just a couple of minutes there. So we hope you enjoy, and uh, we hope you check out the full episode.
1: Thanks for tuning in. Hi, before we jump
2: into the episode, I just want to take a quick moment to thank you guys for being such avid listeners and also to give you an opportunity to participate in various investment opportunities with Alex and I. Some of the same deals that we talk about will be offered to you so you can put to action with your part. Just go to www.screwthestockmarket.com and hit the invest with us button at the top of
1: the page. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Screw the Stock Market. We have a very special guest with us today. We're really excited, Omar Mohamed. Welcome, Omar. Omar is an immigrant from Egypt who came to the States 10 years ago by himself at the age of 20. He worked low-skilled jobs until he ended up in a corporate job, and then he quickly climbed the corporate ladder. But he quickly realized there that there was no freedom with this full-time job, and that was his true objective. He had money, but he didn't have money to invest. So he started looking for creative ways to get into real estate and find his financial freedom. Omar, we're really excited to have you on the show. We got to chat a little bit, but we're going to start from scratch. We're going to pretend that didn't happen. Welcome.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Alex and Aziz. Very excited to be here and chat with you guys and all your audience and what you guys are putting out there. So excited to be here.
2: I'd like to awesome, add that man. Alex has been confused many a time for one of your peoples. Last time we were in Egypt, I think everybody was just, just coming me. up to him every five seconds, asking him for directions yeah. to everywhere.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because fun. even though I'm Honduran, when I go to Honduras, people look at me and they're like, "Oh, that's an Arab," and they think I'm a foreigner, or they think. And but the in Egypt was the first time in my life I looked you like the home? people. And it was here a really go. good feeling, it was really <laughs> nice,
0: yeah, um, it's funny, even here I, I I got Hispanic a lot too. I know I don't look Hispanic, but if, if you're culturally like sound like you different cultures, you would know that he looks Middle Eastern more than Hispanic, but for just a regular American mm-hmm. you're to your average American, okay, you're just probably Hispanic. It would be like, "Hey, amigo." I was like, "No, dude, I'm not an amigo, <laughs> but <laughs> that's okay, <laughs> but it happens often that's
1: very so. cool, very cool we're really excited, always. We love to start off our shows, our interviews, by asking our guests to just tell us a little bit about where they came from and how they got to where they are now. In your case, I think that might be central to the story. Little Omar in Egypt somewhere. Oh, man. And then somehow he ended up here. Tell us about that big decision today.
0: Cairo. Yeah. So um, I believe like I always wanted to come to America. Even since I was younger, I just wanted to travel. I would look at the ocean and I'll be like, there's got to be something bigger across that which just doesn't end here so i've always wanted to but so has everybody else in egypt or Honduras or mexico or any th- or somalia any third world country or any country in general even european countries a lot of them want to take the opportunity to come to america because the american dream but so it sounded so hard like in my mind i was like it's almost impossible i don't even know from where to start but i had a feeling you know that it, will, it would happen somehow okay i'm gonna finish especially when i started and went to college I was like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave. So I shared it with my mom first, which she plays a big role in my life and where I became now. So I shared it with her. I was like, mom, I'm going to go to America. And she was like, but would you leave me? And I was like, no, but it would be better for us. And I got a job. It's a funny story. I got a job as a cold caller and it was for an American company. My name couldn't be Omar Muhammad because the manager was like, if you call on the phone and start selling and your name is Omar Muhammad, Americans will hang up on you. I was like, so what should I do? He was like, just pick an American name. I was like, cool. How about Tom? He was like, works. He was like, what's your last name? I was like, Wayne. So my name was Tom Wayne. And I would call you from Egypt, say, hey, this is Tom Wayne from blah, blah, blah. and trying to sell you uh, marketing, SEO, and if you're a business owner. And I learned a lot in this job, but I mainly did it because I wanted to save the money to come to America. No idea what program will work, but I figured I'm going to need a lot of money to come here, pay the ticket. So that was my job. And I could practice the English too. So started there, I was lucky enough and fortunate that I found a program that the U.S. have that they bring kids from all around the world and they make them work together. And then they think these kids are smart. They're going to go back to their country, except Omar, but they will eventually go back to their country, become something big there, and they can stop like a World War Three. It's a culture exchange program. It's an amazing program. But when the when the program ended... I took the biggest decision I've ever taken in my life. I was 20 years old. I would still have college back home. And I said, I cannot go back. This is so good. This is like a dream here. I saw like how people are treated. I saw the opportunity, mainly what I could provide, not just for me, but even for my mom, my younger brother, my younger sister for my future. And I was like, man, I either get to make it here or die. So I took the biggest, I just got to figure it out. No, no one. And then. So I made that phone call to my mom that I'm deciding to stay. And she was like, when am I going to see you? I was like, I don't know, mom. She was like, we know of somebody that went to America and it's been seven years. His mo- Seven years, his mom haven't seen him. She was like, don't be like him and be seven years. Of course, she's crying when I was like, hey, it wouldn't be. She was like, you don't know anybody there. Just come back home. I was like, this will be better. And I started the journey. And 10 years later, here we are. I believe it worked out.
1: That's huge, man. That's such a big decision i can only imagine like that cuz our show is all about immigrants i'm the child of immigrants aziz is the child of immigrants but we're the children of those people who made those big decisions yeah i didn't make First that generation. decision yeah. yeah i didn't make that decision aziz didn't either and so we just mad respect for the courage and the vision to be able to to do that man I, but, i'll say
2: the you, mom saying you're going to leave me that resonates cuz i hear that from my mother almost on a regular basis and she lives here if she sees me going <laughs> yeah, anywhere, I mean, it's a mom.
0: she's like, you You're leave gonna me? leave. She's always gonna be a mom. She wants her yeah. child with her, but she it doesn't matter. Even if there's no, even if it's safer for her, it's better for her where you're like there than another where she can reach you. Even if the potential is bigger, her heart speaks more like, No, stay here. I could, you know, you can be around me. And um, so it took a lot of courage, but uh, yeah.
1: Okay, you stayed. Where were you I living stayed. at the time? What did you do? Oh, You're just man. like, okay, now I'm in the United States. I don't know anyone.
0: So I, I reached out to people. I have my best friend. He's uh, from Jamaica originally. He was a bus driver. I'm actually going to see him in Jamaica. His mom passed away this week and I'm going for the funeral. So 10 year friendship, my very first friend in America. And he was he was a very supportive. That was my very first friend in America. And he was like, you should stay. Over the 10 years, he's been there for me for so many times. His name is Floyd. We we talked and he was like, Omar, you need two things. We were on a bus ride back. I was in New York heading back. I was in Massachusetts. So I was staying in Massachusetts. When Floyd was like, Omar, you need a job and a place to stay. Then you can start figuring things out. Without these two, there's an issue. And of course I didn't have finished my school. So I was like, okay, I'll find jobs. I found some work in Tennessee. Cause again, you weren't really supposed to work. And I'm sure a lot of immigrants there, if you overstay or whatever, this is not legal. Do not take it as a legal advice, but you got to work sometimes under the table, some low skilled jobs. It happens. So I worked in restaurants. I lived in a restaurant. That was the home. So somebody were like, Hey, come down here. You can work here. You can stay here. I'll give you $400 a week. Definitely didn't happen. Barely gave me any money a week. They take advantage of you. Yeah, that's a whole, it was rough. It was not an easy step in. Okay, America's great. Money's growing on the trees. I didn't pay me any money for a month and a half. And I still slept in the restaurant. It was a very small shop. And then you would stay just in. I would go sleep in like where they would put the cans, like tomato sauce and all that stuff. But I was like being patient so many times across my mind at that moment. And I, I reflect back on that moment a lot is, okay, what am I really doing? Even though the life was harder in Egypt, But you're still around family, sleeping in your bed. Doesn't matter, right? So, do I really, I'm really giving all that now for a future that I'm not sure of, but I feel like I can do it. So, now reflecting back on it 10 years later with more maturity, I saw the promise. So, I was willing to pay the price. And a lot of people sometimes don't see the promise. So, they're not willing to pay the price. So, it happens all the time. So, I saw the promise okay, if I can become an American. And stay in america i can fly back i can get a job and i definitely didn't have any entrepreneur my whole mind was then can i just be america and i tell this to a lot of americans that are born here you're taking it for granted you don't know what i know people i was talking to one of the employees one time that he's i hate this job he's making maybe 20 dollars an hour and just very disgruntled employees And I was the area manager, so the store manager was like, I don't know what to do with him. He's I was like, just bring him to the back. Come to the back, I was like, dude, I literally know people that would die to have the job that you have. He was like, It's just twenty dollars a job. It's almost like McDonald's. And I was like You literally, you have a job, you're sitting here in the air condition, getting paid $20 an hour, barely any customer walk in, you talk to them, you have an iPad, you don't have to do physical labor. You were given the opportunity just by being born here. It took me seven years till I can even just have that. I had to work seven years harder away from my family just to become an American citizen so I can just start. You're already born here, take advantage of it. But I feel like a lot of people don't see it. So that's a plus, I look at it as a positive that we as an immigrant, or you guys are child of immigrants, that we have is we know that the grass is definitely not greener on the other side. And America here provides a dream that no, any other country provide. So that's, that's huge. So yeah, we're different jobs, very low-skilled delivery pizza was paying $2 an hour, you know, just making anything happen. And people knew I don't have any other option. So they just took advantage of it.
1: I want to emphasize that point that you made about, how as an immigrant, and I've seen this a lot, like how sometimes immigrants are the most patriotic because they understand the value of it. And you you really worded it very powerfully. Now, I want to also ask, because I've seen a lot of immigrants who are simultaneously thankful for the opportunity to be here. And I, I don't know, maybe... The word is we're still nostalgic for for back home right there's a lot of good things yep. about being home about our our countries, Absolutely. our families our communities and i i know this is a show about business and investing but we're talking about it so how do you reconcile those two right of being happy about being here but still being proud of egypt being proud of home
0: yeah
1: and how do you and talk about who you about are
0: those two? right i'm 30 so i spent 20 years in egypt and 10 in america and there's a Great things about that. Some people look at it. You have a multi, there, as much as there's great things here, there's a lot of bad things in culture here, right? That I would, we have in Egypt or the Middle East or somewhere that is way better than in America here, right? Uh, as an example, family. Families are way closer in, in the Middle East or Egypt. Respecting the elder, a lot of, not to get into so many details, but I'm, I love that stuff too. A lot of like how to be a man. Not that a lot of guys here are not like that, but they're not raised in a way to, you're a man. you get to go take you gotta go take responsibility for the family you that's a intrigued more in you in the middle Eastern culture as a guy you gotta provide, you gotta protect or it's like it, it, it affects your manhood, it affects your ego. so you're like, look that is not a man. We're here. it's a little bit different. So I think it's like you can take you can use it to take the best of the two places and really have a mindset now that the tough part is you're not really fully Middle Eastern and you're not really fully American. You are, but at the same time, you're somewhere in between. So your mind thinks totally different and that goes back to the conversation we're having Alex is about dating. We were talking about dating yeah. and. It it, it comes in because, okay, so as an example, if you go date from back home, you're a completely different person than you were 20 years ago. And when you date from here, you still have some stuff that is in you that is culture-wise that they might not understand in the beginning, but the right one will, right? So it it, it definitely is is a very good thing. In the beginning, I, I was thinking a lot about it, but I feel I was lucky. I was lucky to grow up with even how hard it is. I was super lucky to grow up where I grew up and how I grew up, I look at it as a blessing because it made me who I am now. It made me think of what I think of and take those decisions. If I wasn't, if I didn't grow up there, my decisions and my actions would have probably been totally different than my experience that I had. So it's
1: a great question. Mm -hmm. Very cool. That's essentially something that the three of us can all relate on, right? Like that in between.
0: You guys Ooh. had immigrant dads, our moms, or was it mm-hmm. both, or just yeah. one side? Both, across the What's board. for you, Alex? Both, both of us, both yeah. of our
1: parents. Now we? I
0: have a question for you guys. <laughs> okay. Because now I'm looking at like maybe my future kids. Yeah. And that question is always in my mind. I was like, so, how did you guys like? Was it tougher for you? I'm sure your parents had like different, different culture things they had to do, and maybe, or maybe they didn't. Like, was it different? Was it harder for you to understand? Was it? How was it growing up? Do you relate to back home?
2: It it depends. I I think we're in a weird transitional kind of point, at least speaking from my end. So I came here when I was younger, but I was entrenched in the culture. I grew up in the Middle East, like Somali culture, Arab culture, pretty much similar. And coming from that and coming to here, that was a big culture shock. (laughs) And I don't think I've fully ever adjusted. Whereas my brother who came here as a five month old or two month old, however old he was, is completely Americanized. He actually has more yeah. trouble adapting to us than anything else. I don't know. I feel like I can manage both sides fairly well, but there are times when I feel like it's a little bit more difficult than someone else. My brother is just fully Americanized, it's fully full. Has went no all the trouble, way west side, yeah. Yeah, he's no trouble adapting to American culture and whatnot and everything. Whereas for me and Alex, I think we both felt the same way. Sometimes we feel like there's a slight barrier. So it's difficult. I think if you have kids here that grew up their entire lives here, it'll be a lot easier because they will view themselves as more American than anything else. But like for us where we're ingrained in both worlds, grew up in both sides, it's a little bit of a a struggle sometimes, at least for me. (laughs) Yeah,
1: Yeah, and I'll say for me, My family always romanticized Honduras, right? So it was always, oh, Honduras is is great. Honduras is the best. We're so proud of being Honduras. If you don't eat your beans, you're not Honduran, Alex. And I was like, I don't like beans, but I do like beans (laughs) now. Here you go. You're more Honduras now. Yeah, now I'm Honduran. So they always got me with that Honduran pride stuff. I ended up marrying a Honduran woman from back home. She's amazing. She's good. She's good. But even then what you were saying, there's some things where culturally we're different. She grew up as a Honduran in the majority of Honduras, right? Whereas me, I grew up feeling like a minority. I grew up feeling different than and it's a double edged sword for sure. It's a double edged
0: sword for sure. Yeah,
1: it's cool. It's and now if I look at my circle, it's people like us. It's immigrants, children of immigrants, and it's in particular, I feel the most comfortable with people who are from different cultures, like you guys. Yeah. Because if I hang out with a bunch of Hondurans, there's a little bit of expectation of what a Honduran of how you should, should be. be. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. If it's I hang out with one, a bunch yeah. of Americans, there's a little bit of. Ex- but if I hang out with someone from Somalia, from from Egypt, it's I don't over, have any expectation. Yeah. I can just be whoever I am. No, we can it. be whatever. Yeah. So I find it very liberating. And that's my circle, and that's why he and I, we decided, hey, this is our business. We want to focus on working with these kinds of people because that's who we're most comfortable with. I think this is people who would be really excited about this topic. So let's yep. do it. And right, yeah, man. So right, it's go. awesome. We're, we're really happy to have you on the show. So now let's talk a little bit about progress, oh, right? Wait, wait, you started wait, wait. off, I, it was I wanna, tough. I want to oh,
2: add go. one more thing. So if you have kids here in the future, just to, one aspect, since you spent most of your life back in Egypt, your mindset is going to be more Egyptian than Americanized in some aspects, so I'm going to warn With you. With the kids,
0: you mean? or to, yeah, yeah,
2: in terms of you, so I'm going to warn you. Okay. Don't do it like my father, where you super romanticize back home to the point where it's just...
0: Where you just, like, go to Egypt, okay, we yeah, know where it, we Yeah, it becomes a non-stop it,
2: yeah. lecture 24 hours, so just just giving you a heads up.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think about this stuff, I think about it, I was like, okay, the kids are going to grow up here, you know, I and we'll get into the, the process and financial freedom, I'm going to take them to Egypt. But again, if they're going to be born here, their neighbor's going to be here, their school's going to be here, they're going to have less ties to Egypt than I do. you right. And I just got to be okay with that. Like I got to learn that. And I, I'm already accepting it before I even have kids, before I even have a, a girlfriend or a wife, but I'm, I'm already accepting that. I'm thinking in the future, they're going to grow up here. They're going to be Americans. They don't have to love Egypt, but there are things that can make them feel appreciative of it the trips that we'll take, how much fun it is, their grandma, their their nieces, their cousins. So it, it all depends on how it is. But if I make it like you said, hey, in Egypt, we didn't have that. I didn't have that, and they would just hate it. That's a very good point. And I see that with my friends' kids. I have a lot of friends that have kids that are immigrants as well. And I can see the kids, the difference between the parents and the kids. And the language is one of the things. Some of them that can't speak the language. Can you speak Aziz or yeah, yeah. are you guys able to speak? Mali, yeah.
2: Yeah, it's Somali
0: you know, and Arabic Somalia, as well. Are, that's the word I remember the most in Somalian Which one? I are,
1: oh, what? yeah. I, I
0: hope I'm saying it correct. Yeah. Hey, you. Yeah. Hey, you. Yeah. So we would we had growing up in Egypt. There's a quick story. We had like teams. So you would play soccer in the street 24-7. That's all what we did. So there was the Somalian team. And the word that would happen all the time is like hey, when they were like running. <laughs> so I remember this team the whole time because there's a big Somalian population in Egypt, so yeah. that's fun. But yeah, progress, back to progress, back to the point. So yeah, started a restaurant till I finally became like a resident in America where I could get a job. So not restaurants anymore, I don't have to wash dishes, don't have to do all that, I can finally go get a car and a stuff bicycle in the winter or whatever, walk in the snow. So it was like a great status to get, I can go get a driver license, I can go to the bars, and don't have to pull my passport. It looks weird. There's a lot of things that look weird when you're walking into a club or something and you got a passport. So I was like, it's okay. So it felt very good. So once I got the resident, I went and applied for a corporate job. And I'll tell you what, Alex and Aziz, it's man, within a month, I was number one. It was crazy. Like literally, I was sales. I'll tell you what, my English was broken. I really had knowledge about the products we were selling. But dude, I was like, you're putting me in a store here, air conditioned. And how much money i can make and they were paying me less in the beginning i don't know why it's up to them but i was not making as much money as everybody else was they were like you lack experience whatever i was like sure but i didn't care they were like here's your commission you could make and man i remember looking at commission checks coming in at five grand and six grand and i would just cry literally cried. i was like this is the most money i've ever had in my whole life i was translating it back to how much in egyptian money that is and i called my mom was like we're rich (laughs) <laughs> done. <laughs> I was like, we made it. It feels like, you were just getting started. So I crushed sales when, again, I'm looking at the promise. And, and I was so hungry. I was like, how can I move up? I don't want to be a sales rep anymore. My manager were like, you're going to go places, man. Like, I could see you not just having my job, having my boss's job. And I was like, oh, I would love that. An area manager, how many locations do they run, They're like maybe 20 locations. It's like, how much money do they make? Like, I want to get there in a few years. And he has like, nobody ever do it in a few years. You need like 10 years. So I did it in four years. So I went to a sales rep the first year, was number one in the whole company. They even got me a trip to the Bahamas, but my passport wasn't updated, so I couldn't go and then assistant manager, store manager, number one, again, as a store manager, my team won like so many consecutive months. Number one, though, I won that like the 1% top of the company as well. Then I became area manager, which it was like goal of my real estate, entrepreneur. None of that was on the thing. All what I want is okay career i'll be with them till i die that was my time then like 24 25 i wish i knew what i knew now but i've learned a lot from it
1: very exciting so we can talk about sales because that's the whole thing right like why were you so good at it the energy the enthusiasm the gratitude that you had is clear you're saying hey this is a big step up what was your secret to just to doing it So so i can
0: ask that question a lot and this is a great question so if anybody is listening jot that down so there's really no secret the secret is i want it so fucking bad then you can cut that up for it i don't know if i'm allowed to or not but i just wanted it really bad alex nobody else in the store or in the company wanted to be number one as omar muhammad did they had people i had no clue so i was working in west virginia these people would be like in new york or like philadelphia and they would wear name tags and say, Omar Muhammad on it. And then my VPGM or the president will send me a picture be like, I walked to the store and these people, because they had a dashboard. So people thought I was not real. They thought that guy, the numbers he sells is not true. The company is making it to make people show him it's possible. So they were like, we're going to sell like Omar Muhammad today. And I have no clue who these people are, but really, again, if I look at the skills, yeah, was I smooth? Probably. But if you bring no, no sales training, no idea. But the one that gets so bad pushed me to have to figure it out. So I would grab pen and paper and go with customers. People maybe will have ten customers offer once. I'll have ten customers on offer thirty times. Say no seventeen times. Like why wouldn't you want it? It's great. Let's figure it out. Like is it the money? It's cheaper than what you're paying. So what is it about it? I got to talk to my husband. I was like, cool. Let's give him a call. And people were like, what the hell is this guy? Like this guy just like and it wasn't like weird like salesy. Like people give sales a very bad, uh, taste like, Oh, it's so salesy. I don't want to be sales. Sure. Stay home. Don't make money. If you want to be successful as an entrepreneur, you have to learn sales. That's the number one skill you have to learn. But I was just trying so hard and trying to figure a way I was like, okay, maybe when I word it like that, people push off, start thinking, maybe if I write it down and I start creating a system without knowing that did really well and crush sales, but really the secret, I, I, yeah so jim roan which is my favorite philosopher of all time i watch a lot of his stuff he always says you can make a number what you lack in skill so as an example right now i'm more skilled i could call maybe three people close a lead let's say somebody else is not as skilled can make up 30 calls and close four leads so you can make a number what you lack in skill and i I don't think I was super skilled. They looked at me as a Superman, but I wasn't Superman. I just knew like my family back home. I know where I came from. I know the money I can make and I know where I want to go. I would even go there on my days off. I took zero days vacation that year, They're paid vacation. You could have just stayed home. And I was like, no, mine, when number one was more important to me than taking vacation, I became the number one in the company. And then after that I took as many vacation. But so the secret is just, again, the purpose consistent you get better you reach a goal i don't believe anybody here in america could not reach what they want unless if they're physically mentally stable whatever goal you want i'm like very confident if you work hard on it consistently you will get there
1: awesome but yeah that was very very awesome thank you Oman. thanks man
2: and that actually ties okay. to one of our main things is mindset the biggest factor to success across the board everyone we've spoken to has been always number one mindset and it i remember back in the day i used to think that's oh mindset all this foo psycho babble
0: yeah
2: nonsense it's doesn't mean anything but it actually does it's the, you talk to somebody about okay what do you want to do and they'll tell you and then they'll be like yeah i can't really it's impossible i can't reach it or whatever or they create these mental yeah. obstacles that just stop them from achieving that goal and here you are you started with absolutely nothing and you set that goal and you achieved it, and then you boom, set up another goal and you achieved it, all the way to success.
0: Yeah, your limited beliefs—that's what's called. This is your biggest enemy in the beginning. Your limited beliefs. I still have limited beliefs till now. That oh, maybe, and and a lot of it happens subconsciously that you just don't think of that. So as a as as a kid growing up in Egypt. I was full of limited beliefs. Coming to America by itself was a was itself was a very limited belief. I would never make it there. But then I started believing it. No, I will make it there. I will do this. I'll do that. But the limited beliefs is what keeps people in the mindset. Again, back to Jim Rohn. You got to work yourself harder than you work on a business. He says when you work on your business, you make a living, which is fine. But when you work on your on yourself, when you work on the business or you work on a job, you make a living, which is fine. But when you work on yourself, you make a fortune, which is super fine. That's how, if I would quote him in my own way, which is very true. You work at the job or something, you will make a living. Work on yourself because especially entrepreneur, it's all up to you. It's not the business or the vehicle you're going to take. It's how you're going to make those tough decisions and take risks. Requires a strong person.
1: I really like that. You mentioned at the beginning with your vision of, coming to the United States, something that might have seemed impossible, you had this vision and you did it, and then now you're talking about wanting it really badly, and I really appreciate the mindset, and it sounds like you've, you're a student of it too, right? It doesn't seem, hey, you just had this vision, or okay. you just had this outlook. You're quoting Jim Rohn, it seems you haven't really mentioned that part of the studious side of you in this philosophy too. Can you tell us a little bit about that part of your development yeah that's the biggest
0: part of my development which is it was a very good point like in the beginning you just don't i i had the hunger i lacked some skills you're right because i didn't have like maybe the proper training or something but i had the hunger and i had the will and those are two very powerful things if you have the will and you have the hunger you reach places because you can then go get the skills that you need so one of the things that majorly changed i would say it's even two years ago so it's still new no, three now. Sorry, three years ago, I started reading. Before you tell me read a book, I'll be like, hey, dude, you're crazy. What bar we're heading? Just didn't even know what could I, what would a book do to me. Again, didn't grow up around anybody that really reads or self development wasn't a thing. And one book for another, and I find myself my life's changing. It's talking about setting goals. Again, Jim Rowan, I probably listened to everything. One of the you think philosophy in itself. Because philosophy teaches you really how to understand yourself, how to understand your philosophy is your everything. Like, it, it gives you your style, your attitude. So, once I start working on that, you're like, okay, there's a few things you could do. Your mind changes. I call it, like, it gives you mental, I call it, like, mental orgasm. My friends always laugh. I call it, like, you can read a book or listen to a podcast and you would have a mental, like, it just clicks. So there's quite a few people out there, man. They're doing an amazing job. And I've learned a lot. I know I mentioned Jim Rohn. There's Tom Baylou with Impact Theory. I listen to that a lot. There's the Mindset Mentor. There's so many people. There's there's the Ed Milet show. I'll tell you the ones that I remember. There's the Game by Alex. There's so many people that talk about business, but there's a lot of ones that talk about your own. There's the Daily Stoic is another like big, big one too. I love stoicism. It's just this part of it. It teaches you how you deal with things. Okay, I'm struggling with this. I'm I'm scared to take risks. I'm scared to leave my full-time job. It's stuff that's not everybody's doing. So the answers to your question is to daily, daily exercise, reading, and that mental. But When I stop, I'll tell you what, I feel like I went back a lot of time. You just have to keep reading. There's no stop. Now, I was wondering, I was like, these people don't get bored. The problem is not like about them getting bored, is when you let go. That information is, you want to know what else is there. You'll never know it all. There's books about everything. There's books about, okay, you suck at dating, go get a book. You suck at saving money, go get a book. Go watch people on YouTube. And it's for free. All what you had to do. I've learned, I've made so much money, more than I ever made from YouTube and reading books. There's one deal that I made $60,000 off from literally watching YouTube watching
1: youtube story that sounds awesome
0: (laughs) can you tell me how you made that but the information is out there there's so many different ways that you can make money you're not but people looking for this quick okay he made he said he made give me that video let me go make 60 but that's the fruit the root is you spend all that time working you're trying different things you sow different opportunity when you become more you attract more so you become more person, you start, okay, learning more, you're reading more, your skills starts becoming better. You know how to communicate, how to negotiate. All of a sudden you'll start seeing different opportunities and that will play a big role, but it's just a deal. I know I understood how to find a good real estate deal, which will jump into real estate. Hopefully at one I, I was, point I was I found a deal.
2: I, I was going to say, we, then, we haven't even touched on the real estate side of things. No. Last we left, you were still doing sales. Yeah. Let's, let's do the progression from sales to real estate. What
0: happened? sales or I grew with the company. I've been, I just left them actually June 1st. So I'm now a full-time entrepreneur, which is something like really good. If you're like, want to leave your job, I don't recommend people leave their jobs right away. I did three years doing both. Again, not everybody could do that, but you can build your fortune. But you can work full-time on your job and uh, part-time on your fortune till your fortune is paying you more than your job. Then you could quit. That's how I looked at it. But I realized, as uh, Alex was saying early in the introduction, that I came to America for freedom. That's the biggest part I came here to, right? I came here to be free. And once I got my citizenship, I thought that would be okay, freedom. But I went back home for the first time and then my job were like, okay, you have three weeks. I was like, I've been away from my family for seven years. It took me seven years before I ever was able to go back. So to go back to the story when I told my mom, I'll come back, it literally it took us seven years. So I haven't seen any of my family in seven years, none of my friend, I need to go home. The day I got the passport, I was booking the ticket. I waited for the UPS guy from the window. I just saw the truck, I took off running. I was like, hey, you have a package for me? He was like, yeah, right there, I opened it. He was like, what is it, dude? I was like, it's my passport, man, I'm gonna go back home. Dude, I took it, went bag. the bags were ready. Just flew back home, seven years, I couldn't wait. I'm not answering any, my friend came, picked me up, he goes, let's go. And uh, it, it was amazing, so it's, it's just a long time, but then, On the way back, on that trip, something just hit me. They were like, I'm not really free, right? Like I did do all this seven years, but I have a job now. And if I don't go, if I want to stay longer, which I wanted to, I can't. Where's the money gonna come from? I will lose the job, I will lose, I can't afford it. But I was helping my family back home, I still do this, something a lot of us immigrants take pride in, so I was like, I can't just leave it. So on the way back, I was like, this can't be it i worked so hard to get there with this job, but there has to be a way. And I started reading more. Start with penny stocks. That's what came in front of me first. Definitely figured out that was not going to work out. So never did anything with it. And then uh, wholesaling real estate was the first step. A friend was like, hey, why don't you become a wholesaler? I was like, what is that? Like, just find boarded up houses and call me. And I was like, okay. So I go home, start searching it. And there's a guy on YouTube named Jerry Norton man i just bought sat down lots of pizzas these. i'm talking about lots of pizza every day from 6 after my full time job till 12 6 hours pizza i'm not even making any food i gained maybe 20 pounds at that time just eating the, so don't do that if you're listening take care of your health that's one of the mistakes i did i went too crazy on education but 2 weeks or 3 weeks just consuming information writing down week 4 i start cold calling and that was my in to real estate to understand
1: Okay. So I love the power of your story of the realization that you're not free. And then you realized, okay, I got to look for something else. You kept your job. You knew that you still needed that. And you started exploring opportunities. And then you started wholesaling and were you making money? Were you able to? No.
0: Okay. no so in the beginning, first, I didn't make money until three months. I think I made my first deal wholesaling after three months. Again, I didn't really buy a course. I had a very nice, my dream car, a Dodge Charger. And then I was like, okay, I'm start reading more. I'm now I started really going on self-development and reading all that. So I sold the car when I bought a used one. So now the car payment went out. I was like, okay, if I can deduct the expenses, I really don't need much i mean you become you can be financial free if you only want 100 bucks a month you can live off you're financially free but i was like no that's but i don't want that to be my lifestyle i want like hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions you know a month why not some there's some people doing it i could figure it out too so i sold the car i was like let's get rid of this car i don't want the car payment that's almost 600 with insurance that i could save took that money i put it right back into the wholesaling i was like okay i need to call more people so i hired a va And then I was managing her while I was at the job after a couple months, we got a lead. I made $2,000 and I was like, Oh, that's great. It's not bad, but it's great. I made money from nothing. And then I decided, I was like, okay, wholesaling is good. I've learned a lot, but I want to own these properties. I got to have to do it again. If I want to keep making money, it's a job. So I have to keep, it's not investing. And I don't even know what investing meant at that time, but I knew I need to own something that keeps paying me while I'm not there which now I can translate after more education. I need to own assets. I need to have wealth. I need to have passive income. Back then, I didn't know. and I was like, this is not it because I have to keep doing it. So if I have to keep doing something, it's the same like my corporate job at AT&T. Why? That's not going to work out. But then when I sold that, and my first buyer, I was like, dude, what do you do with these houses? He said, oh, I fix them and I rent them out. And my eyes went like that. I was like, you rent them out? Do you make money? He said, I make a lot of money. Let me show you. And I was like, "What?" And then he starts showing me like his rental portfolio. He's like, "See, I took this from you for twenty grand as an example. I'm gonna fix it up for another twenty. I'm gonna rent it out for a thousand dollars. The mortgage would be like six hundred. I make four hundred dollars." I was like, "And you don't have to be there." He was like, "Nope, I don't have to be there." I was like, "You can be in Egypt." He was like, "What?" And I was like, "No, this is just." I was like, "So I can be anywhere." And he was like, "Yeah." And I was like, "Oh my god." Then goes back. You're willing. You guess remember the same omar like few years back wanted to be number one so bad same energy same attitude i got to own real estate so bad but now double because of the time now i know how much i can get back i need that time so i go crazy focus back on the laptop youtube creative finance how to buy rentals, no money i had ten thousand dollars in credit card debt credit score was like even though i was making a lot of money i was living the american dream nice car let's go out travel fancy clothes I just don't know any better so i started learning save the money i was like okay first thing i got to cut is the expenses i don't need rent can i get rid of that car i already got rid of it what else stuff that i don't need okay i look i can get rid of that okay i'm saving this money this money is going to go back in my education and acquiring real estate right and then i started got bought this one i'm living in was my very first house i bought in a two or three k loan you guys familiar with what a two or three k loan is for the audience that are not is an FHA loan where they give you the money to buy it and the money to fix a house. So the best way to do that, and shout out to Matt Picaro, one of my good friends, he is his name is the 203K Way on Instagram. He explains a lot of it. So you buy the best way to do a 203 or three K is to find like a multi unit where you renovate, right? You buy cheap, it needs work. The bank is gonna give you the money to buy it and fix it anyway. You renovate it, now, when it's fixed, it's worth a lot more than you have equity than what you spend on it. That's the first benefit, you have equity. Second, your tenant, I you just had to put my voice away, they're paying my mortgage. I'm not paying anything to live here, right? I'm living here for free. And on top of that, they're paying the mortgage and they're, I'm cash flowing. They're, after they pay the mortgage, after they give me the money and I pay the mortgage, I'm still ending up with some money in my pocket. Dude, it doesn't get better than that for your first deal or somebody else. So, but again, this is the information I wouldn't know if I didn't read, if I didn't get there. I would probably be still renting, spending like 1,200, 1,300, because I don't know. The most expensive thing in life besides taxes is not knowing. Like taxes first, then you don't know, you pay a lot. So now I saved more money. I have another $1,000 in my pocket. Great, put it back into my learning. Maybe we'll pause here if there's any questions and then I can keep going. I get passionate about these things. I won't stop. No, that's great.
2: House hacking is definitely one of the, the, House hacking. Yeah, yeah, the first strategies that a lot of people discover. I know a bunch of people, yeah. that's how they got
0: started and then from there they just kept on rolling. Yeah, and with FHA you only need three and a half percent down. And to be honest with you, I didn't have the three and a half percent down. I borrowed this from my friend. I said, dude, give me the three and a half percent down and I'll give it to you back. And he's what are you gonna do? I was like, just give me he he gave me a year. He was a good friend. He was like, Here's a year And I was like, Okay, I need to pay some of my credit cards off so I have graze up my credit score did all that you figure a way i I couldn't wait i need to get it done like now i need financial like free now of course it doesn't happen overnight i had to realize that but i need to be taking steps that's gonna take me there so got that one and before i close actually on that one my wholesaling business was still i was like let's just keep acquiring properties why not i'm spending that money the va is calling she's bringing me leads because when you're first starting and this is a very good point you have two big assets you have your capital which is probably low if you were like in my shoes or none Oh, and your time. Those are your two more important tools and assets when you're starting, time and capital. And if they're both low, you have to leverage other people. So I figured, okay, $200, I hired a VA in the Philippines. She's making four-hour cold calling for me. $200 a month, we can afford that. You probably spend them on Starbucks or wherever. So I was leveraging that time, so I got more deals. And I, one of the deals, I was like, okay, I really like that one. And people were offering me 8K wholesaling fee to just sell it. So I could make 8K right away. And 8K looked super sexy. Uh, to be honest with you, I've never seen 8K. Even when you don't have any 8K, is like a huge number, $8,000. Oh my God, like from nothing. But I was like, no, because I, they, my goal was not to make money. My goal is to make money while I'm not here. So I could travel or do whatever, it could be free. So I didn't take the 8K. I kept this property. I found a hard money lender. So I start asking around, start learning. There's a great book by Brandon Turner of the bigger pockets. I don't think he does that anymore. It's called investing with no to low money down. And he gives people things they can do to start and maybe four or five things to do to start investing with no money down. Tell you what, Alex, I've done every single one of them and they all worked. What I had to do is he just has to say that he done it and it worked. Or I don't think if he even done them all, but he was just giving people what they could do with no too low money down. I was like, okay, let's try it out. So hard money lender got another deal. Even before I started renovating that one, I was like, okay, I borrowed the money because the deal is so good. And that's what I love about real estate. If you learn how to find good deals, you will never be broke again, ever. If you can make so much money by learning and getting good deals, even if you're broke, you have bad credit. Whatever it is, even if you live like where, like even overseas, I don't care where you live. But if you learn how to find really good deals in America, you can wholesale them, you can flip them, you can rent them, you can partner with people. If your credit is bad, go get somebody else wholesale till you pay off your credit. Do creative finance, which we'll get into. Seller finance. Nobody, I I, I went and got houses where nobody checked my credit or my background check. The owner signed the deed. They're like, okay, you're a homeowner now. I could have had 400 credit score it's all about negotiating and finding out a deal. Once you get really good at that, the sky is up from there. But, so I kept that one, used the hard money lender, renovated it before I even finished here. And then another one comes up and it just start rolling. I was like, okay, now I'm learning a different one. So back to the 60 K one. So I did the hard money lender on one, did the two or three K working, sitting on Facebook, just chilling. I see a property for sale. Yeah, not a really good neighborhood. And I was like, oh, I don't want to go there. It's probably not going to be a good deal. But something inside me, I'm like, just go, dude. Don't sit. You never know. So I text him. I was like, okay, let's meet there. I go there. He's late. An old man comes out of the house next door. He's like, what are you doing here? And I was like, I'm just looking at this house to buy. He's like, why would you buy this piece of shit? Buy mine. And I was like, let me finish with him and I'll come talk with you. And he was like, yeah, come, come buy mine. I was like, I don't know, is he like serious? But we'll find out. So I finished with that guy. He wanted $70,000 for this beat up house, super beat up. Doesn't, I probably wouldn't pay him 20. So I was like, dude, this is, it's not a deal. And he was like, ah, that's what I have into it. I was like, cool. He leaves. I go knock walk to this guy's house. I was like, you still want to sell this house? He's like, but it's going to be a lot more than this one. I was like, I'm sure they'll just talk. He was like, here, meet my wife. I was like, why are you guys want to sell? Which is the most important question to ask motivated sellers. Why the reason for selling. They don't care that you want to buy. It. They care that they want to sell it. But you got to find out why and solve that issue. They were like, we're getting old. We can go up these steps. I look in the backyard and this beautiful swimming pool. And I was like, oh, my God, this is going to be expensive in my head. I was like, can you some update? But there's a swimming pool, nice fence in the yard. We start talking. And I just said, okay, yeah, I'll buy it. You guys want to move? I want to find out why they don't put it on the market. There's something wrong with it. They don't want people in the house. They already found a house that they're moving into. They just need to give it... They just need to move. And I was like, okay, how about $70,000? And he was like, how about 75? And I was like, let's say 72 and shake our hand. He was like, let's do it. 72, we shake our hands. I don't have the money. I have nothing. And at that point, it's all in renovation. I go grab the contract. We sign it. I'm under a contract for 72. But I know there's equity in that deal, right? I know it's at least worth 120, 130, worst case scenario. So I have some equity there. Texted to my hard money lender. He's like, yeah, I'll lend you on it. That's a good deal. I was like, okay. Go home. I find another deal. Dude, this is crazy. Another wholesaler selling a deal I really like. And that was last year. And I was like, oh my God, I like that one too. She was like, if you like it, it's yours. Uh, I was like, okay, let's do it. Text the hard money lender. He was like, Omar, you want both of them? And I was like, yeah, but let me just see what I can do. I go back to that main seller. I said, hey, I got lucky too because the title had some issues and was taking time. They had to move. Somebody has to keep up with the pool. Somebody has to keep up with the landscaping, the house. I was like, listen, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go in. We're going to do seller finance. I'm going to sign the deal. I'm going to pay you guys $500 a month for the next six months. And after the six months, I'll pay you the rest. She was very cool with it. The wife was great. Okay, Omar, we trust you. He was like, I don't know. I don't want that house back after six months. And I was like, how about $2,000 right now? Down payment. And he's like, great. Took the house, six Airbnb right away. Second month it was on Airbnb. The pool, the, you got the fence. So I just go to Facebook Marketplace. I think fifteen hundred dollars I spent. And I was using my payment from my corporate job to do all that stuff. Got the pool in, got the got the got everything ready, rented out Airbnb. First month four K Airbnb revenue. And I was like, oh my God. This is crazy, never had Airbnb. Everybody told me not to put an Airbnb in this area. There is no Airbnbs. I was like, I am nothing to lose. Let's try it. Plus I was like, this is a nice swimming pool. Maybe I can come use it sometime when it's vacant. You know, that, that was my whole main deep intention. So I put an Airbnb, makes money. I paid the guy six months. I go get it reappraised, it appraises for 150K. So the bank gives me, I owed the guy 65, give him a 65 back. Then I think I paid 5K at that time. And I walked away with 40K. From that deal, and I put just the two thousand dollars down in that one, so it's crazy. So again, people say, Okay, that's a unicorn. I don't believe it is. I believe if you pull a list for 10,000 people out there, you might get two or three or five like that. But all you need is one deal to start. That was uh, that was great. The other one I ended up doing a hard money lender on it, finished through, got appraised. Burr, I was doing the burr status, like if, if you guys are familiar.
1: So, so where how many units are you at now? So I think that three that you shared right that now. That was right?
0: three. Yeah, no, four. So no, that four. was, so when we talked about four, the two or three K, we talked about the other one, which I used the mm-hmm. hard money. Then last year I bought two, we're missing one. There was one we're missing. So before these two, uh, we're cold calling the customer reach out to us too. It's another seller finance deal. She want to sell the house. I'll be quick on that one. She want to sell the house, but she really, she doesn't want to move the tenant was a friend in the military. He's paying $500 a month, which is very low. And she just doesn't want to sell. She's not in rush to sell. She lives in Hawaii, married in Hawaii. The house is here in Pittsburgh. And she just doesn't want the issue. The roof needs replaced on the garage. It didn't pass the occupancy inspection because the receptacles need update. So I told her I'll buy it for 70K. 70 is my lucky number. I'll tell you, I got good deals for 70K. If I know the deal is 70, we're making money. So I said, I'll buy it for 70. She said, okay but I don't have the 70, so I reached back to her and I said, hey, my name is Jennifer. We're, we're like cool friends now. So that was October 29, 20, 2021, October 2021. So we're talking and I was like, Jennifer, November actually, I closed on my birthday. So I was like, Jennifer, here, what am I gonna do? I'm gonna give you, you're making, the tenant is paying you 500, you owe the house free and clear, You're making about $300 a month putting taxes and insurance aside, right? She was like, yeah. I was like, no, that's exactly. You send me the taxes, send me, I'll get you the numbers. So she was making $300 a month. I was like, here's what am I going to do? I'm going to pay you $300 a month from here till the next seven years and I'll pay the taxes, I'll pay the insurance, I'll take care of the property, I'll take care of the tenant, I will keep him for a year. If he wants to stay, I'm going to increase the rent after a year. For a year, he can pay $500. How does that sound? Sounds like a scam, Omar. That was her answer. <laughs> she was like, sounds like a scam. I was like, I promise you, it's not a scam. Let me put it up. And I recorded a video for her, send it to her exactly how it worked. explain the contract like I'm a professional contract guy, he explained every single piece of it. And some stuff I wouldn't know if like, reach out to my attorney, which is a good friend of mine now, that helped me draft all this. I was like, Brett, what, do, what, what does that mean? He was like, oh, it means this. I was like, oh, I totally told her something different. Let me call her back. So you figure it out. So... It went through and we closed it. And then on the closing day, it was my birthday. She actually turned around and sent me sent me ha- half of the closing cost because I told her I'll pay the closing cost. So she turned around and sent me half of it. She said, happy birthday. Yeah, we're really cool friends now. And then I paid her 300 and then I told her the next year I'll increase it up to 400. I go in there. I fix the garage roof. I, I start making money from the, the rentals, the stuff, my 18 t money. I, fi- I fix the garage roof. A lot of it, Home Depot credit cards and stuff. Then... I fixed the whatever inspection needed. And then I told the tenant, he has six months, you know, to either move or the rent is going to be $1,200. And he said, I'll stay and pay the $1,200. So I take the $1,200, paying her the 300 paying the taxes, the mortgage. And I think it's cash flowing about like $500 a month. Nothing, did nothing, deal structure, literally just structuring a deal, made money. And in seven years, we have maybe five left now or something, I'm going to only owe her like 20k or so but the house is worth probably 150 or something i could refi Uh, not worry about it and the tenant is there never bothers me paying the 1200 like a champ he he loves it and it's great deal
1: Omer, that you're cleaning up man you're cleaning up it's really exciting and but but what i want to emphasize the stories that you're sharing are detailed they're they're meaningful, they're inspirational, they're things that you can take and try to do. But the number one thing that I've been really studying a lot recently, and Aziz and I have talked about this a lot, is confidence and what that means. My definition of confidence has changed recently. Mm, And I think you are exemplifying the kind of confidence that is most likable, right? There's people that are confident in a way that is it shows us arrogant. arrogant, yeah, it comes across as arrogant, abrasive. Douchebag energy
2: is what we like to call it. Douchebag.
1: <laughs> yeah. And you are exemplifying the confidence, the energy, the hunger that I think is exactly where the people that I want to work with are, like, exactly the kind of people I'm that I want to call friends. Not
0: douchebag. <laughs> yeah. Not, not douchebag. douchebag. I like that more than the douchebag. I'll take it. <laughs> I like that. But you're really right. There's some people that come out there and speak and you just can't take it anymore. You know, we go to meetups and they just want to talk about how great they are. And I did this. I did this. Dude, I'm, it's literally available for everybody. You did. And and there, there's a lot of that energy out there. Even on Instagram, you could be scrolling and you'd be like, oh, my God. So people have those two energy. But I appreciate it. Confidence, I think, is very important. If you're not confident in what you're talking about, why would you want anybody else to believe if you can't even believe it first? So... Confidence got to be a very important thing. But yeah, so we're up to six units. Back to answer your question. I'm up to six units now with two new ones under contract. Six units literally all in the first year of going in real estate. First year from doing that phone call of the wholesaling for the pizza. First year. I lost it now so you can see the pizza <laughs> effect didn't go there. But six, one year, six units, zero money down. Literally, it's all creative finance. And then... This year, I haven't bought anything yet. been focusing on my business, sure, sidetrack, but I have two under a contract that I'm really excited about.
2: Now, are you focusing predominantly on single family or are you doing multifamily properties?
0: So the only multifamily I have is this one that I'm living at. I'll probably rent it when I move out. So I'm really, I think, single family. If I'm thinking about it, I changed my perspective a little bit. When we were talking about that, Alex, briefly before we start, my perspective Real estate is not I don't care what everybody say out there, it's not gonna make you rich off five, six, seven, eight, nine deals, especially if you do the Burr method. I'll tell you right now. What are you gonna cash flow? Three hundred, four hundred dollars of property with interest rate right now? How much more unless you live on ten thousand on two thousand dollars or a thousand dollars a month and which is below poor, you can't really get super financial free quickly on real estate, right? So you, unless you have so much capital to invest, but most people don't. So the idea is, I didn't know anything different, but it's great. You can build wealth, but again, you're going to make so so much. And then if you have one capital expenditure that comes in, it will eat your cash flow up real quick. So you might even end up not making money. But on the long-term, real estate does not get rich quick. It gets rich for sure. Okay, It's more of a long-term goal and for investing. Now, if you're flipping, or you're wholesaling, it's more of an interact. You can make more money that way than just for the short period of time. But again, my goal is to invest for passive income. So I was like, okay, can I have 20, 30, that each one makes me 400? I could take that money, live anywhere and be free. The answer is yes, but it takes time to get there, especially if you start with no capital. So I changed. I was like, I need a business. Because again, I couldn't leave the job. I'm, I'm back here, I'm six units but I need to keep my responsibilities I have. I need to keep my lifestyle, not really big lifestyle, but I just need to eat. Need to eat, not put gas in my car. You need that pizza, man. <laughs> um, I need that pizza, man. I spent a lot on Fox's pizza, I made a lot of money for me. Buffalo chicken, Fox pizza was my go-to. But 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 yeah, so I was like, I need to get in business. I need to be in business more. Real estate is a business investing is great. But that entrepreneur start, again, all that I'm still reading. I'm still listening to all these people that made a lot of money. So I started more of like online platform of teaching people of like how to do creative finance. And it did amazing. It did really well. And beside that, I had the people that were fixing the houses. I'm really good at building relationships. These guys were just hanging. And my friends were like, man, I love how you did that kitchen. I love how you did that. Can you share the guys with you? But here, think about that. Remember when I said the more you become the... The more you become, the more you attract opportunities. My mind would have never thought of that if I didn't spend time on thinking. I was like, how about I do it for you? I know how much it costs me. Let's say it's going to cost me 4 k When I said, man, it will cost you 5 k And he says, perfect. And I was like, you don't have to worry about nothing. Just I'll give me the keys. I'll give it to you when it's ready. And my friend was great. Then he was like, hey, my buddy wants to do some work too. Would you do it? And it starts one job, second job, third job. Go got my license to be a general contractor. And, and it was one of the best things I did. Never thought I would be a contractor. I didn't even know when I bought this house, what where the, like the contractor walked and said, we have issues with the soffit and fascia. And I kept looking in the bathroom. I was like, what are you talking about? He like, no, that's on your roof. But no clue, zero scale. I, I, I don't understand how these homes are built, nothing. But because I was watching the guys so close working on the house, building the relationship, understand how much everything work. After a month, like people that were, I'm going watching on meetups and seminars. They're using me to come renovate their houses. They're calling me, asking me questions in just a very short amount of time. And I was like, what happened? I didn't do it on purpose. I I don't want to learn it. I never thought I was going to be a general contractor. Really. It's just an opportunity that came. I look here in this market, 99.9% of the contractors, and that might be low, but what is the word? Like when you like, exaggerating, uh. I might be exaggerating a little bit, but. The, a lot of contractors businesses fail because first it's very it's a very tough business. There's a lot of shitty contractors a lot of shitty homeowners you're dealing with the worst like stuff that you don't know so people will go overcharged people will steal money go on any Facebook or just Google to see how many contractors ripped people off. so I was like I can use what I've learned my sales skills, my really good customer service that I learned from my job, good communication. And I can provide something in Pittsburgh that I know no other contractor will. Plus, I'm already an investor. They, they want to flip a house, I've done them. I can help them with that. They want to buy rentals, I can tell them, hey, don't put brand new appliances because they're going to get ruined. Go to this guy. He has used appliances. have the price. And people are like, oh, my God, I love you so much. You just saved me two grand. And I was like, yeah, great. I made them on the back end. but That's great. But it just you, you get to see the opportunity. So I took that opportunity, started the construction company last year, and it wasn't easy. People left, they were like, I can go do what you do. I was like, sure. There was a lot of hiccups during the way. It wasn't all dandy. There's so many failures we can talk about if we had some time, but the construction company's doing well now and I'm making money in construction, Changing my model to make money in construction, use that money, buy real estate with it, and I'm not refinancing. Then I can cash flow. There's no reason to have 20 units, as me and you can saying, Alex, Making $1,000 where I can have one unit make twenty, the same amount of money was the half the work. So I'm not using the burr method anymore. I'm just going to make a lot of money as I can in business, take that capital, buy real estate, and just keep doing that. Uh, and that's my method that I'm going after right now. My goal.
2: It's, it's funny. Alex and I actually were in the middle of negotiations and purchasing a construction company. So mm-hmm. it's, really? it jives well.
0: You guys... <laughs> Yeah, have my number. Let me know. I can give you some stuff. Construction company is, is good. Yeah, you know, well, yeah, we might actually take you up on that.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's not.
0: I have some good systems that you guys can just plug in and play. And Virginia is not too far. I don't know if we were able yeah. to say where you guys live on the podcast, but no, I mean, you guys are me. not too I mean, far. Virginia big. DC, DC area. <laughs> DC area, yeah. So Absolutely. It's only three hours, so we can meet up and I can help you guys some stuff. I'd love to.
1: Yeah, definitely. Awesome, man. Omar, thank you so much, man. This has been really exciting. Really, we resonate. We really connect with you, man. And I just want to share, ask if you have any last message or call to action for our audience. Sorry, I just got Invisalign, so I don't know how to talk anymore. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, if you have any last message you'd like to share with our audience, we'd love for you to connect with them and invite them to connect with you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, if they want to learn more about what I do, or follow, or any information that I share, if they even have any questions, I answer all my DMs and all my people that reach out. Uh, I love the questions. So even if you want to start, you're struggling with something, you have a question, feel free to follow me. I have all my social media under Mr. Property O, which is Mr. Property O. I'm sure we can share it somewhere in the podcast or the comments or something like that. So feel free to reach out, follow. If you have any question, reach out. And I'm happy to be here, and it was a great interview. And hopefully we can do it again. I I can invite you guys to mine when I start it.
1: Yeah. Definitely.
2: We would probably, we hit so many different topics. I think we would definitely love yeah. to get more details on some of those. So maybe we will do another interview or so on some of those topics. It would be great. Yeah, yeah. jack of all trades.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Okay, Omar, thank you so much, thank really. You. Thank you,
0: guys. It was great.